0: section thirty three of scenes from a courtesan's life by honore de balzac translated by james waring this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce Peary. what love costs an old man chapter thirteen at half-past eleven that evening five carriages were stationed in the rue saint Georges before the famous courtesan's door there was lucien's who had brought rastignac bichu and blondet du Thiers, the baron de nucingen's the nabobs and florine's she was invited by du Thiers. the closed and doubly shuttered windows were screened by the splendid chinese silk curtains supper was to be served at one wax-lights were blazing the dining-room and little drawing-room displayed all their magnificence the party looked forward to such an orgy as only three such women and such men as these could survive they began by playing cards, as they had to wait about two hours. "'Do you play, my lord?' asked Dutillet to Peyrade. "'I have played with O'Connell, Pitt, Fox, Canning, Lord Brougham, Lord—' "'Say at once no end of lords,' said Bixiou. "'Lord Fitzwilliam, Lord Ellenborough, Lord Hartford, Lord—' Bichiou was looking at Peyrade's shoes and stooped down. "'What are you looking for?' asked Blondet. "'For the spring one must touch to stop this machine,' said Florine. "'Do you play for twenty francs a point?' "'I will play for as much as you like to lose.' "'He does it well,' said Esther to Lucien. "'They all take him for an Englishman.' Dutier, nucingen peyrade and rastignac sat down to a whist table florine madame du Valnoble, esther blondet and bixiou sat round the fire chatting lucien spent the time in looking through a book of fine engravings supper is ready paccard presently announced in magnificent livery peyrade was placed at florine's left hand and on the other side of him Bichu, whom esther had enjoined to make the englishman drink freely and challenge him to beat him bixiou had the power of drinking an indefinite quantity never in his life had peyrade seen such splendor or tasted of such cookery or seen such fine women i am getting my money's worth this evening for the thousand crowns la val noble has cost me till now thought he and, besides, I have just won a thousand francs.' "'This is an example for men to follow,' said Suzanne, who was sitting by Lucien, with a wave of her hand at the splendours of the dining-room. Esther had placed Lucien next herself, and was holding his foot between her own under the table. "'Do you hear?' said Madame du Val-Noble, addressing Peyrade, who affected blindness, this is how you ought to furnish a house when a man brings millions home from india and wants to do business with the nucinghans he should place himself on the same level i belong to a temperance society then you will drink like a fish said bixiou for the indies are uncommon hot uncle it was bixiou's jest during supper to treat peyrade as an uncle of his returned from india de falnoble told me you shall have some ideas said nucingen scrutinizing peyrade ah this is what i wanted to hear said du to rastignac the two talking gibberish together you will see they will understand each other at last said bixiou guessing what du had said to rastignac sir baronet i have imagined a speculation oh a very comfortable job beaucoup profitable and rich in profits now you will see said blondet to du he will not talk one minute without dragging in the parliament and the english government it is in china in the opium trade ya yeah, i know said nucingen at once as a man who is well acquainted with commercial geography but the English government have taken up the opium trade as a means that shall open up China, and she shall not allow that V. Nucingen has cut him out with the government, remarked Dutillet to Blondet. Ah, you have been in the opium trade, cried Madame de Valnoble. Now I understand why you are so narcotic. Some has stuck in your soul. There, you see— cried the baron to the self-styled opium merchant and pointing to Madame du Valnoble, you are like me never shall a millionaire be able to make a woman love him i have loved much and often milady replied peyrade as a result of temperance said bixiou who had just seen peyrade finish his third bottle of claret and now had a bottle of port wine uncorked oh cried peyrade it is very fine the portugal of england blondet doutier and bixiou smiled at each other peyrade had the power of travestying everything even his wit there are very few englishmen who will not maintain that gold and silver are better in england than elsewhere the fowls and eggs exported from normandy to the london market enable the english to maintain that the poultry and eggs in london are superior very fine to those of paris which come from the same district esther and lucien were dumbfounded by this perfection of costume language and audacity they all ate and drank so well and so heartily while talking and laughing that it went on till four in the morning bixiou flattered himself that he had achieved one of the victories so pleasantly related by Brias savarin but at the moment when he was saying to himself as he offered his uncle some more wine i have vanquished england peyrade replied in good french to this malicious scoffer toujours mon garçon go it my boy which no one heard but bixiou hallo good men all he is as english as i am my uncle is a gascon i could have no other bixiou and peyrade were alone so no one heard this announcement peyrade rolled off his chair on to the floor paccard forthwith picked him up and carried him to an attic where he fell sound asleep at six o'clock next evening the nabob was roused by the application of a wet cloth with which his face was being washed and awoke to find himself on a camp-bed face to face with asie wearing a mask and a black domino well papa Peyrade, you and i have to settle accounts said she where am i asked he looking about him listen to me said asie and that will sober you though you do not love madame du Valnoble, you love your daughter i suppose my daughter peyrade echoed with a roar yes mademoiselle Lydie. what then what then she is no longer in the rue des moineaux she has been carried off peyrade breathed a sigh like that of a soldier dying of a mortal wound on the battlefield while you were pretending to be an englishman someone else was pretending to be peyrade your little didi thought she was with her father and she is now in a safe place oh you will never find her unless you undo the mischief you have done what mischief yesterday monsieur lucien de rubempre had the door shut in his face at the duc de grandlieu's this is due to your intrigues and to the man you let loose on us do not speak listen asie went on seeing peyrette open his mouth you will have your daughter again pure and spotless she added emphasizing her statement by the accent on every word only on the day after that on which monsieur lucien de rubempre walks out of saint-thomas d'aquin as the husband of mademoiselle clotilde if within ten days lucien de rubempre is not admitted as he has been to the grandlieu's house you to begin with will die a violent death and nothing can save you from the fate that threatens you then when you feel yourself dying you will have time before breathing your last to reflect my daughter is a prostitute for the rest of her life though you have been such a fool as to give us this hold for our clutches you still have sense enough to meditate on this ultimatum from our government do not bark say nothing to anyone go to contensons and change your dress and then go home Kat will tell you that at a word from you your little didi went downstairs and has not been seen since if you make any fuss if you take any steps your daughter will begin where i tell you she will end she is promised to de marsay with old conquoelle i need not mince matters i should think or wear gloves eh? Go on downstairs and take care not to meddle in our concerns any more as he left peyrade in a pitiable state every word had been a blow with a club the spy had tears in his eyes and tears hanging from his cheeks at the end of a wet furrow they are waiting dinner for mr johnson said europe putting her head in a moment after peyrade made no reply he went down walked till he reached a cab stand and hurried off to undress at contenson's not saying a word to him he resumed the costume of pere Concoel and got home by eight o'clock he mounted the stairs with a beating heart when the flemish woman heard her master she asked him well and where is mademoiselle with such simplicity that the old spy was obliged to lean against the wall the blow was more than he could bear he went into his daughter's rooms and ended by fainting with grief when he found them empty and heard kat's story which was that of an abduction as skillfully planned as if he had arranged it himself well well thought he i must knock under i will be revenged later now i must go to corentin this is the first time we have met our foes Corentin will leave that handsome boy free to marry an empress if he wishes. Yes, I understand that my little girl should have fallen in love with him at first sight. Oh, that Spanish priest is a knowing one. Courage, friend Peyrade. Disgorge your prey. The poor father never dreamed of the fearful blow that awaited him. On reaching Corentin's house, bruno the confidential servant who knew peyrade said monsieur is gone away for a long time for ten days where i don't know good god i am losing my wits i ask him where as if we ever told them thought he a few hours before the moment when Peyrade was to be roused in his garret in the Rue Saint-Georges, Corentin, coming in from his country place at Passy, had made his way to the Duc de Grandlieu's in the costume of a retainer of a superior class. He wore the ribbon of the Legion of Honor at his buttonhole. He had made up a withered old face with powdered hair, deep wrinkles, and a colorless skin. His eyes were hidden by tortoise-shell spectacles, he looked like a retired office-clerk on giving his name as monsieur de saint-denis he was led to the duke's private room where he found derville reading a letter which he himself had dictated to one of his agents the number whose business it was to write documents the duke took corentin aside to tell him all that he already knew monsieur de saint-denis listened coldly and respectfully amusing himself by studying this grand gentleman by penetrating the tufa beneath the velvet cover by scrutinizing this being now and always absorbed in whist and in regard for the house of grandlieu if you will take my advice monsieur said corentin to derville after being duly introduced to the lawyer we shall set out this very afternoon for angouleme by the bordeaux coach which goes quite as fast as the mail and we shall not need to stay there six hours to obtain the information monsieur le duc requires it will be enough if i have understood your grace to ascertain whether monsieur de rubempre's sister and brother-in-law are in a position to give him twelve hundred thousand francs and he turned to the duke you have understood me perfectly said the duke we can be back again in four days corentin went on addressing derville and neither of us will have neglected his business long enough for it to suffer that was the only difficulty i was about to mention to his grace said derville it is now four o'clock I am going home to say a word to my head clerk and pack my traveling bag, and after dinner at eight o'clock I will be... But shall we get places? He said to M. de Saint-Denis, interrupting himself. I will answer for that, said Corentin. Be in the yard of the chief office of the messagerie at eight o'clock. If there are no places, they shall make some, for that is the way to serve Monseigneur le Duc de Grandlieu gentlemen said the duke most graciously i postpone my thanks Corentin and the lawyer taking this as a dismissal bowed and withdrew At the hour when peyrade was questioning Corentin's servant Monsieur de Saint-Denis and derville seated in the Bordeaux coach were studying each other in silence as they drove out of Paris next morning between orleans and tours derville being bored began to converse and corentin condescended to amuse him but keeping his distance he left him to believe that he was in the diplomatic service and was hoping to become consul-general by the good offices of the duc de grandlieu two days after leaving paris corentin and derville got out at Monsle, to the great surprise of the lawyer who thought he was going to angouleme in this little town said corentin we can get the most positive information as regards madame sechard do you know her then asked derville astonished to find corentin so well informed i made the conductor talk finding he was a native of angouleme he tells me that madame sechard lives at marsac and marsac is but a league away from mansle i thought we should be at greater advantage here than at angouleme for verifying the facts and besides thought derville as monsieur le duc said i act merely as the witness to the inquiries made by this confidential agent the inn at Monsle, la belle Étoile, had for its landlord one of those fat and burly men whom we fear we may find no more on our return but who still ten years after are seen standing at their door with as much superfluous flesh as ever in the same linen cap the same apron with the same knife the same oiled hair the same triple chin all stereotyped by novel writers from the immortal cervantes to the immortal walter scott are they not all boastful of their cookery have they not all whatever you please to order and do not all end by giving you the same hectic chicken and vegetables cooked with rank butter they all boast of their fine wines and all make you drink the wine of the country but corentin from his earliest youth had known the art of getting out of an innkeeper things more essential to himself than doubtful dishes and apocryphal wines so he gave himself out as a man easy to please and willing to leave himself in the hands of the best cook in mausle as he told the fat man there is no difficulty about being the best i am the only one said the host serve us in the side-room said corentin winking at derville and do not be afraid of setting the chimney on fire we want to thaw out the frost in our fingers it was not warm in the coach said derville is it far to marsac asked corentin of the innkeeper's wife who came down from the upper regions on hearing that the diligence had dropped two travellers to sleep there are you going to marsac monsieur replied the woman i don't know he said sharply is it far from hence to marsac he repeated after giving the woman time to notice his red ribbon in a chaise a matter of half an hour said the innkeeper's wife do you think that monsieur and madame sechard are likely to be there in winter to be sure they live there all the year round it is now five o'clock. We shall still find them up at nine. Oh, yes, till ten. They have company every evening. The cure, Monsieur Marron, the doctor. Good folks, then? said Derville. Oh, the best of good souls, replied the woman. Straightforward, honest, and not ambitious neither. Monsieur Sechard, though he is very well off, they say he might have made millions if he had not allowed himself to be robbed of an invention in the paper-making of which the brothers cointet are getting the benefit ah to be sure the brothers cointet said corentin hold your tongue said the innkeeper what can it matter to these gentlemen whether m sechard has a right or no to a patent for his inventions in paper-making if you mean to spend the night here at the belle Étoile, he went on addressing the travellers here is the book and please to put your names down we have an officer in this town who has nothing to do and spends all his time in nagging at us the devil said corentin while derville entered their names and his profession as attorney to the lower court in the department of the seine i fancied the sechards were very rich some people say they are millionaires replied the innkeeper but as to hindering tongues from wagging you might as well try to stop the river from flowing old Cichard left two hundred thousand francs worth of landed property it is said and that is not amiss for a man who began as a workman well and he may have had as much again in savings for he made ten or twelve thousand francs out of his land at last so supposing he were fool enough not to invest his money for ten years that would be all told but even if he lent it at high interest as he is suspected of doing there would be three hundred thousand francs perhaps and that is all five hundred thousand francs is a long way short of a million i should be quite content with the difference and no more of the belle etoile for me really said Corentin, then monsieur david sechard and his wife have not a fortune of two or three millions why exclaimed the innkeeper's wife that is what the cointets are supposed to have who robbed him of his invention and he does not get more than twenty thousand francs out of them where do you suppose such honest folks would find millions they were very much pinched while the father was alive but for kolb their manager and madame kolb who is as much attached to them as her husband they could scarcely have lived why how much had they with la Marie a thousand francs a year perhaps corentin drew derville aside and said in vino veritas truth lives under a cork for my part i regard an inn as the real registry office of the countryside the notary is not better informed than the innkeeper as to all that goes on in a small neighborhood you see we are supposed to know all about the cointets and kolb and the rest your innkeeper is the living record of every incident he does the work of the police without suspecting it a government should maintain two hundred spies at most for in a country like france there are ten millions of simple-minded informers however we need not trust to this report though even in this little town something would be known about the twelve hundred thousand francs sunk in paying for the rubempre estate we will not stop here long i hope not derville put in and this is why added corentin I have hit on the most natural way of extracting the truth from the mouth of the Sechard couple. I rely upon you to support, by your authority as a lawyer, the little trick I shall employ to enable you to hear a clear and complete account of their affairs. After dinner we shall set out to call on Monsieur Sechard," said Corentin to the innkeeper's wife. "'Have beds ready for us. We want separate rooms there can be no difficulty under the stars oh monsieur said the woman we invented the sign the pun is to be found in every department said corentin it is no monopoly of yours dinner is served gentlemen said the innkeeper but where the devil can that young fellow have found the money is the anonymous writer accurate can it be the earnings of some handsome baggage said derville as they sat down to dinner ah that will be the subject of another inquiry said corentin lucien de rubempre as the duc de chaulieu tells me lives with a converted jewess who passes for a dutchwoman and is called esther van bogsack what a strange coincidence said the lawyer i am hunting for the heiress of a dutchman named gobseck it is the same name with a transposition of consonants well said corentin you shall have information as to her parentage on my return to paris end of section thirty three